0: Dan Haley, Colorado Oil and Gas Association.
1: All right, thank you for joining the program today, Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Well, I wanted to ask you about uh, some headlines I saw, and then I got confused because Colorado just recently went through quite a kerfuffle with the legislative process and the governor and and the oil and gas industry to the tune to where the governor flat out said war on oil and gas, very bad distinct and bold thing to say. Uh, and, and now I'm, I'm looking at this this ballot initiative is, is back on uh, SB 181, but there might be six different ones. I, I was really confused. So, uh, Mr. Dan Haley, thanks for joining the program today. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. We need to go back to uh,
0: 2018. I think that's when you really see uh, the beginning of this. Well, it actually goes back a few years before that, but activists from a group called Colorado Rising, uh, were able to get a measure on the 2018 ballot called Proposition 112 uh, at that time. And it would have been an effective ban on, oil and, on the oil and gas industry in Colorado and would have shredded private property rights for anybody that owns minerals here in Colorado. Unfortunately, fortunately, uh, Coloradans saw through uh, that charade and saw what they were trying to do, and that is ban this industry that's been around in this state for more than 100 years. And so Coloradans rejected that measure by ten points uh, in 2018.
1: So the, the there was an initiative by Colorado Rising back in 2018. Uh, the the people rejected it. Colorado Rising. They were they a local grassroots group or were they an out of state funded grassroots group? They have uh,
0: local representation, but they did receive money from out of state. Um, I don't remember the exact percentages, but quite a bit of it did come from out of state and Boulder County. I think, in fact, uh, there was something like more than 90 percent of the money came from either outside of Colorado or inside of Boulder County. So uh, much of Colorado was not reflected in those uh, in those in that financial information.
1: Yeah. More evidence um, of of a template for sure. Uh, The Colorado blueprint was another thing that I've heard. Uh, mentioned a few times apparently there's a book on it uh by the governor who uh has it came out afterwards he's pretty anti-fossil fuels pretty anti-oil and gas to the tune to where something called the colorado blueprint is this familiar with are you familiar with this or am i making things up yeah (laughs) so the book the book
0: actually came out more than 10 years ago i would say probably in 2008 the governor was one of four millionaires in colorado that formed Uh, something uh, called the Colorado Democracy Alliance. And it was a group to uh, privately fund the Democratic takeover of the Colorado legislature in 2004 and 2006. That was back uh, before he was a congressman and was on the State Board of Education, but was obviously involved in in state politics. So that blueprint uh, book, the Colorado Blueprint, came out in 2008. And that infrastructure has largely still still exists here in Colorado and is funded by others at this time, not by, I don't believe that the governor funds that anymore, but uh, he certainly was a, a, a part of that at the very beginning. And so uh, during the 2018 campaign, that's when he ran for governor of Colorado. He had been in Congress for about 10 years at that time and decided to run for governor of Colorado when this ballot initiative was on the ballot. And he came out against that initiative, knowing that it would have uh, really been harmful to this industry. And so we were appreciative of him coming out of, uh, against, the, against that ballot initiative. But the whole time he was campaigning, he campaigned for more local control over oil and gas. However, during his campaign, he wasn't terribly clear as to what that meant, exactly what he meant by more local control. And so the Democrats uh, that night of the election on November 2018 When Coloradans defeated Proposition 112, the anti-oil and gas initiative, they also elected Democrats across the state at a level that hadn't been seen since the 1930s here in Colorado. So Jared Polis was elected governor, and the Democrats, they already controlled the House of Representatives in Colorado, but they also took back the state Senate that night. And so in uh, February of 2019, a month after he had uh, been in office and the Democrats had taken over the state house we saw Senate Bill 181, which was a sweeping oil and gas uh, regulatory overhaul, which included unprecedented levels of local control, which the governor had talked about in this campaign, over oil and gas regulation.
1: And that's where we're at today, and they're still trying to piece through that. They're still trying to define that. They're still trying to... Uh, negotiate through that. Correct. We're, we're, we're still, okay. we're still in that phase.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. So in the 2019 legislative session, uh, the bill was approved um, and it set into motion, a series of rulemakings, uh, which is what we're in the process of, of doing right now in 2019. After the session ended, uh, there were three rulemakings, one on flow lines, Colorado already had the most comprehensive flow line rules in the country but now uh, they're even more comprehensive and uh, will be mapped at a certain level that will be available to the public, uh, tested the integrity of those lines will be tested more than anywhere else in the country. And then in December, we also went and underwent an air rulemaking to uh, further uh, toughen or make more stringent, Colorado's already stringent, air rules, and then now in 2020, there'll be a series of additional rulemakings uh, later this spring to hopefully bring that 181 uh, regulatory uh, system uh, into place by July of this year. Now, separate from all of that, some of the news you probably saw last week, Colorado Rising, the activist group, uh, 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 a keep-it-in-the-ground group, uh, they don't want this product to ever leave the ground, they came back again last week and said they're looking at additional ballot measures for November of this year.
1: And that's what I wanted to ask you is that even though all this this change is going on and the legislative change and, and everybody's quite busy with, with what's already happened, this new group, or old group, whatever, Colorado Rising, I saw somewhere some news story that said there might be six different types of ballot initiatives with regulations and setbacks that had to do with oil. Is that have you heard anything of that or is it just one and it's six okay so my this is this is getting out of hand yeah uh,
0: absolutely so what they did was they submitted six potential ballot initiatives to the secretary of state's office oftentimes when campaigns uh run ballot initiatives they'll put several of them out there and see what can pass muster as it goes to this title setting process to get approved onto the onto the ballot. I don't know how many they will choose. Um, likely, they'll probably settle on one, maybe two of those measures. I don't, I have no way of knowing, and they haven't announced that publicly. I imagine they're probably going to poll it and see uh, what, uh, what it looks like. But one of them is identical to the measure that Coloradans defeated two years ago on Prop 112, a 2,500-foot setback. There are also a couple of different 2,500-foot setbacks with different criteria surrounding them of what you're actually being set back from. Um, And then there's a couple 2,000-foot setbacks and then a bonding increase. But largely, they're looking at increased setbacks, which would really put much of the state off limits to oil and gas development. If you go back and look at what they did in 2018, they proposed a 2,500-foot setback. And again, three of these are 2,500-foot setbacks that they're looking at. That 2,500-foot setback would have put 95 percent of the top five oil and gas producing counties off limits to new development. So most of the gas and oil in Colorado is produced in those five counties, and it would have put 95% of those counties off limits to new oil and gas development. There was an outside group that looked at the economics of that particular ballot measure and found that 147,000 Coloradans would have lost their jobs by 2030, 147,000 Coloradans Uh, And those 75 percent of those jobs were outside of our industry. So it would have been devastating to the oil and gas industry. But for the overall economy in Colorado, given how important this
1: industry is to our economic health and well-being in this state. I think Senator John Cook from Weld County, former sheriff on the program, uh, right before the new year, mentioned 40, 45 percent of downtown is employed by the energy sector in downtown Denver
0: that high. I've seen figures in the high 20s, 30 percent, and that's of uh, occupied space. But again, uh, that's a lot of downtown Denver is occupied by oil and gas. Uh, The number had been historically larger in in decades past, but as Colorado's economy has diversified, that number's come down a little bit, but still a huge impact here in in Denver and across the state. These jobs pay on average more than $100,000 twice what the Colorado median income is. So, again, these are jobs that we should value in this state, that we should not want to push out with bad regulations or over-regulations or these uh, ballot initiatives that really aim to put us out
1: of business. So what what are you advising people in the industry to do? And I'll I'll preface that by I used to – you know, in a former life, I was a magazine publisher, and we we did a magazine in Greeley, Colorado, for probably four or five years with the newspaper, and it was a it was a home magazine. But we spent some time there, and it's a very agriculture community. However, there's a lot of energy activity in Weld County as well. So the the relationship between ag and energy, I, I experienced that firsthand. Not only being from North Dakota, but I experienced it in Colorado, as well as other places. Um, There's a lot of economic value there. There's a lot of uh, education that needs to happen outside of that area. Colorado is different because you've got a lot of uh, environmental activism going on, and it's directly impacting the energy industry in new ways that's now you know people are having national discussions about investments and that sort of thing you've got the hardest job in the in in the country right now for an oil and gas director uh, in terms of uh, association without a doubt I mean I don't know if that's lost on you or not but I mean you've got you've got the biggest job seriously out of every state in the union right now more than California and New York even because their laws are set you're trying to hang yep. on to something here and the invi- the because colorado's so beautiful that's being used against the industry and they're the ones right. cleaning it up anyways so, uh, so what, yep. what 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 yeah, advice do you have for people
0: you're you're absolutely right and this is a, a beautiful state and uh, we want to keep it that way our industry works very hard to protect our air protect our water as you noted and because we live here too so we have every reason to get it right. So first of all, if you're an oil and gas employee in Colorado, we really want you to know what's at stake. We want you to understand the political situation that we're in here in Colorado, and we need you to be out talking about all of those great things that this industry is doing. We need to be able to tell people that our emissions have gone down by more than 50% while production has quadrupled. All of those very good stories that are happening in our industry, we need to be out telling people. We need to be dispelling the myths that exist about our industry, because if we're not doing it, no one else will. So we have some time over the next several months, if this, if, if this potentially gets on the ballot, to really educate our friends and neighbors about what's, about what's happening out there. To other people who are in other states, I think they need to understand that these types of policies can potentially be coming their way. Things that start in California, work their way to Colorado, and end up in places like New Mexico and North Dakota and Oklahoma. And so people need to understand what's happening here and begin having these conversations now with their friends and neighbors, begin building those relationships with people in agriculture and other industries so you can stand up with each other and for each other as a government begins to look at potential regulations or laws that make it difficult for you to work in your state.
1: And I'll even go a step further on that because... This is something we've been covering for over 5 years on the Crude Life now when I started and it was because of Colorado to be honest. Um I usually stay in Fort Collins when I go to Colorado because of Weld County and it's an hour before Denver for me so it's and I got the Horse Tooth right right there the nice Horse Tooth reservoir to go hiking and this and that and uh-huh. unless I go to Grand Junction that's a whole different that's that's a different trip but um but you know so i i'm i'm kind of used to that and about five years ago i started noticing in the breakfast bars that people were looking over their shoulder when they said they worked in the oil and gas industry and I, i thought that was a bit odd so i started paying attention to that more and more and then i started noticing uh some of the advertisements and some of the uh narrative had shifted pretty aggressively um to where i think i even saw a billboard with just i think a woman and a child eventually and that was i don't even think it said anything else and so when i started noticing this i just saw a lot of parallels between the smoking ban that happened in in many states north dakota included where uh they would find local representation but a lot of the funding came from out of state and they used public health and then they used science that sounded good but it wasn't 100% verified and then they used uh, the the emotion over fact. And it's the same exact template that is being used right now. And I don't know what the solution is, but I know this summer when you and I spoke on a, on a panel together, there was only two presidential candidates having a conversation against fossil fuels. Now we got a half a, half a dozen. So um, we've got to figure out a way to connect in a, in a way to educate and and do these different things and um anyway I, I just i just wanted to throw that out there it almost seems like we're living in a world when the uh, farmer got replaced by the grocery store meaning that nobody knew the farmer grew the food anymore that it just came from the grocery store now the light switch just takes care of everything right we need to do a better job of connecting
0: the dots for photos for for folks so they understand where their energy comes from i also think Uh, As you you mentioned, the presidential candidates, and I think that that, they're doing a great disservice to all Americans. They are are spinning a tale that we could go to this all-renewable future tomorrow if we wanted to, and oil and gas could simply disappear and everything would be fine. That is not a a responsible way to run a campaign. In fact, it's irresponsible to be talking about banning oil and gas. If Elizabeth Warren got her way and quote-unquote, ban fracking tomorrow. The first thing that would happen was our air would get much dirtier as people turn to coal to power the grid. Renewables are not ready to power the grid that we have in the United States, much less the world. So the first thing that would do is hurt the environment, not to mention put more than a million people out of work. Um, so it's really irresponsible for our presidential candidates and other elected leaders to be essentially lying to people that we can have this uh, renewable future tomorrow tomorrow but for the political will to to flip this switch. So, again, it's up to uh, us to go out and make sure that we're talking to people about what our energy reality is in this country, the gains and good things that our industry is doing uh, when it comes to climate change, when it comes to reducing our air emissions, when it comes to energy independence. I think we saw in the past several weeks with Iran the importance of developing this resource here at home. You know as, as well as anybody, 10 years ago, had something like that taken place in the Middle East, oil would have spiked over $100 a barrel overnight. We'd be paying 4 or $5 to fill up our, our cars uh, with gas. We'd be paying more to heat our homes. And who does that hurt? That hurts the most vulnerable among us who have to choose between buying food, paying rent, buying medicine, or paying their energy bill. There are so many reasons to responsibly
1: develop this product in our country and I think we're seeing them play out right now I'll even go a step further and say that there's a responsibility by the media that needs to happen too The media needs to hold these candidates accountable for the things coming out of their mouths And then not decide to allow that stuff to be broadcast anymore Because it, it is, it's borderline reckless and it's really irresponsible It's uh, creating a lot of existential fear in, in people and a lot of false realities. And I think the media uh, really needs, and that's why we've done what we've done and changed our format and decided to, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the sexiest thing in the room. It's not the most popular thing in the room, but at the same time it's needed. And there, there, there is a time where you got to look at somebody like you said, Elizabeth Warren, and I agree with you because I back Back when I was talking this summer, I was referring it to dragon legislation and unicorns and things like that, because it's, it's really, it's, it is that crazy that the media would allow that when, I mean, I've said it, and I, I think I even said it this summer, I, I, I think the media should talk about what would happen if the industry took a three-day strike. What would actually happen? Not, 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 not get rid of fossil fuels. Okay, let's just say for three days. For three days, the industry took a strike. Boy, I, I think the media would have a heck of a time uh, speculating and pontificating on that. They'd give up pretty quick on that. They'd tap out, and they'd be like, okay, we can't do that. But instead, they, they, they continue to say, okay, we'll get rid of it. And and uh, Anyway, sorry, I, you, you hit a sore spot with me because I, I really think that the uh, people in the industry not only need to help out somebody like yourself to hang on i think they got to let question the integrity of some of the people in the media and and just say how can you allow that on your air i thought you guys were somebody of ethics and somebody of integrity and and journalism but apparently you're just into uh, spouting out a bunch of whatever so anyway sorry okay so how can people help you out how can people help out against, um, you know, uh, uh, protect the industry. And, you know, because you guys are are up for quite a fight. You're up for a fight and they're well-funded. Absolutely. We have
0: uh, on our website, COVID.org forward slash take action, a place where people can go, they can sign up for alerts, they can get information, they can get talking points so they can uh, begin to talk about the great things that are happening in this industry and how we're helping our society uh, thrive in the 21st century. Uh, there's a place where you can, if you want to uh, donate to support pro-industry candidates. There's a spot on our website to do that as well. But really, I would say stay engaged, stay up to date on what's happening, get the uh, latest from us. We'll send you emails letting you know what's happening here in Colorado and elsewhere, and really what you can do to really stand up and stand up not just for your industry and your job, but for your livelihood and your and your way of life. It is it's so important that people understand and and that they, as you talked about earlier, people looking over their shoulder when they say they work in oil and gas, we really can't have that. This industry is so essential to what we're trying to do uh, in the 21st century, and it's doing such great things. We need to be proud of what we're doing and make sure that people understand why it's important, why it's critically important for their communities, their state, and this country.
1: One final question. Dan Haley, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, appreciate you coming on, and and you can make it Quick, I'm looking at the clock here, but um, I'm asking some people and I'm very curious from your perspective, just because of kind of what I've laid out about, you know, you'd look at the 50 states and yours is by far going to be the most um, challenging over the next 12, 12 months. But I've been saying this for the last three, four months that 2020 will be the energy or will be the oil and gas industry, if not the energy industry's most important year probably, and written history. Um, I'd like to know your thoughts on that, being the heart of Colorado there.
0: Well, you're probably right when you begin to look at the um, presidential race. I look at 2018 was clearly a, a critical year for us, and that we had an existential threat on the ballot, were able to defeat it, yet also saw people win election uh, who wanted to put the clamps down on us uh, pretty severely. So 2018 was a was was a critical year for our industry, but I think you're right in terms of what's happening in the presidential race, 2020, mm-hmm. uh, certainly uh, will be very
1: important for the, the future of this industry. I mean, I, when I look at the different candidates that are, like I say, trying to ban fracking and trying to take out the industry, and you got Europe that is now showing they can't do it. And they've got 10 years of yeah. trying, to, trying to do it in Germany, and they had to fire up the coal plants and a number of different things. It's just, it just seems like this movement of emotion over fact is just, it's, taking, it's yeah. snow, snowballing too much at the presidential level. And, um, you know, you got your own battle yeah. in, in your own state. So I, that's, I'm glad that you knew I was talking more of the, yeah. you know, the, the national and even global side of things because there's, there's yeah. policy being done at the UN level.
0: It's happy. I was going to say it's happening across the world. And it's really a time when we need the adults to step up and and have a conversation about our energy future and how we can uh, do this together and, and create, you know, clean energy for future generations and really get away from the spear and scare tactics that's taken over this topic.
1: All right. What's the website? One more time. So people can help out uh, the Colorado Oil and Gas Association and in industry.
0: Koga.org forward slash take action will get you to where you need to be.